0: like going on nothing's gonna stop me now i feel like going on no no try I go going on, come on somebody give the Lord a shout of praise, hallelujah, 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 you can be seated this morning, I feel the presence of the Lord in the house today, how many of you dread Valleys? You dread valleys. Come on, let's get real this morning. How many of you dread valleys? I hope by the help of the Lord today, before I finish this message, that you change your mind about valleys because valleys come to everybody. You're not alone when you're in the valley. You're not alone in the valley. The Lord's with you in the valley, but about half the people, half the time are in the valley with you. How many of you know that's true? We don't live life on the mountaintop, but the valley is part of life. By the help of the Lord today, I want to preach to you for a little while. Don't dread the valley. Valleys must not be dreaded because valleys are always close to mountaintops. We want to live on the mountaintop, but valleys, for every mountaintop, they're Is always a valley and for every valley there is always a mountaintop. We all go through valleys. Wouldn't it be great perhaps if everything was just even? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it be wonderful if the whole world was like it is in north central Indiana? It's just flat. There's no mountains, but it's amazing that when we take vacations, we go to a different set of scenery. Because we get, you know, people in the mountains, they want to come to the cornfields, but in the cornfields we we go to the mountains or we go to the ocean front. Because life kind of has a way of becoming monotonous when we live every day just like the day before. So no, truly, I don't think it would be better if every day was lived without a valley. Sometimes it is the struggle of the valley that causes us to be thankful when we get on the mountaintop. God allows us to experience these ups and downs in life. We experience these wonderful high places in life, the mountaintops. And after we live for a while on the mountain, we always, 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 everybody say always. You only live for so long on the mountain, but if you move forward, you're always going to have to encounter a valley. Know this, the greater or the deeper or the larger the valley, the greater the mountaintop. I'm not so sure that it is the valley because you can coast from a mountain into a valley, but it takes a climb to come out of the valley and get back on the mountain. Maybe it's really not the valley that we, that we struggle with or we dread so much as it is that we become weary and we become tired. Uh, anybody ever feel that way? That we become weary and we become tired. And the thought of trying to conquer another valley, to try to conquer another mountaintop, begins to not sound nearly as fun as it did 20 years ago. I often say about those of you who uh, brag about how far you ran, I ask you, what happened to your car? And I'm being silly. I understand you're doing it for health reasons. People enjoy it. They go and climb mountains. But you don't hear people talking about, man, we're going to go do some valley dredging tomorrow. They talk about doing mountain climbing because there's something about climbing the mountain that sounds intriguing to everybody. But the issue, if we're climbing a mountain, we have to start out in a valley. The truth is is that valleys are just a part of every life. Every person has their share of problems and troubles and valleys. If you're not in one today, I don't want to preach you into one. Just bear with me for a moment and we'll get out of the valley here in a little while. Valleys are just a part of life, regardless how isolated some may appear to be from the troubles of life. No matter how perfect Lives seem to be, or families seem to be, or how secure somebody's finances seem to be, or how perfect someone's life is. Rest assured today that they too reach those places where they question, Why am I where I am? Someone asked this week, Why doesn't God prevent all of the evil from happening? Why doesn't God step in and why doesn't God move in these situations? Maybe it's because God is working something into our lives. Maybe He's calling us back to a point of righteousness. God, even let Israel be defeated for multiple generations until they turned their hearts back to God. As a matter of fact, there was as a the scripture said that God delivered them into the hands of their enemy. I want you to understand that there is a time that even God himself says, I will get people's attention whatever way that I have to get them. Someone says, why didn't God prevent this from happening? Keep this trouble from coming on me. Maybe it's because God is working a greater plan in your life than what you ever possibly imagined. You had to go through some things in order to come out the other side better than you were when you went in. I never hear somebody go through a trial and come out the other side. We None of us look at the valleys of life with joy, but we often look at the valleys of life with dread. We don't understand why it's happening to us. We don't understand why that it's coming against us, why it's interrupting our perfect little world and our perfect little life until we get out the other side of the valley. And when you get out the other side of the valley, you look back and realize if I hadn't have gone through what I had to go through, I wouldn't be able to live in the fulfillment that I'm living in today. I want to encourage somebody this morning that's been walking through the valley and through the struggle and through the trial to tell you valleys don't last always. Troubles don't last always. There will be another side to this valley and it's going to be a mountain to climb and it may be a struggle but when you get there and plant your flag on the top of the mountain you're going to look back to this day of where you are and you're going to say thank God for the mountain thank God for the valley thank God for the trial why did Job go through his trials why do you go through your trials because faith is only fantasy until your faith has been put to test Faith without a test can't be trusted. It is in the the struggle that your faith becomes becomes tested. It is at that point that the Lord understands, and you know, the Bible says it like this, that He allows some things to come upon us, and it is for the trying of our faith it is for the trying of our faith and i've often tried to wonder if god knows everything doesn't god already know about my faith and i've asked god that many many times if god is testing my faith doesn't he know everything doesn't he know what how i'm going to come out and i was in prayer some time ago as i was walking through one of those valleys that i talked about i know you think pastor never goes through valleys but i was going through one of those valleys I was having one of those woe is me kind of days and I'm asking God, Lord don't you know my faith already if this is for the trial of my faith don't you already know and I heard the gentle small voice of God speak to me and said yes I know all about your faith but I'm trying to teach you about your faith the trial of your faith is not for God's benefit it is for your own benefit, he's trying to help you understand where your faith is and that your faith will get you through. I'm preaching to somebody today that's been walking through the valley wondering, God, don't you see where I am? And God's saying, yes, I've seen you all along, but you are not seeing me in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your valley. Come on, lift up your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help, for your help comes from the Lord. You may be going through it today, but I can promise you if you'll be steadfast with God that you'll come out the other side pure gold. The great news is is you won't always be in trial and trouble. You won't always be... Here's what the Scripture says, though now for a season we walk in heaviness, but after we have suffered a while, the Lord impressed the scripture upon me a few years ago. And I have come back to it time and time again. Though now for a season. It's just a season we're going through. Though now for a season we walk in heaviness. Means the load seems like it's more than you can bear. Anybody been there? It's a season that you go through. Though now for a season we walk in heaviness. But after We have suffered a while. How long, Lord, am I going to have to go through it? That's the question. Because sometimes I think how long is however long it takes for us to learn our lesson. Oh, nobody going to help me this morning. It's however long it takes for us to learn that the trial of our faith isn't for God's benefit, but for ours, as soon as we learn the lesson that the trial was meant for, as soon as we understand this valley was meant for me, here's the lesson in the valley. God says, okay, you can move on through and let's go ahead and climb the next mountaintop. But until you pass this test, you can't move on to the next test because God's not going to give you a free ride because the next test will take you out if you don't pass the test you're in today. So he's saying however long it takes with God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. That's why some of our tests seems like they never pass and we never get through them. Maybe it's just a lesson that God is trying to teach somebody today. And, and the sooner that we get what God is trying to teach us and we understand that the valley's not for God but for me and when I get this, when I pass this, I'm going to move on to something better. It's going to have to be a mind shift in somebody this morning that you walk out of here and start saying, I thank God for the valley. I thank God for the struggle. I thank God for every trial He's brought me through. We used to sing a song. I haven't sang it in years, but the verse goes something like this. I thank God for the mountain and I thank him for the valley and I thank him for every trial he's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. But because I've been through some things, you see, I understand that through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust Him more. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. The greatest news that I could give you this morning if you're walking in a valley is that you won't always be in the valley. But those who often complain in the valley will complain because of the struggle of the mountain. And when you get to the apex of the mountain, you'll struggle because the weather in the mountain changes way too quickly. On top of the mountain, the weather changes really fast. It can be cold one moment and hot the next, and storms blow in on mountaintops. See, you think the mountaintop is where it is, but the Lord says there's more security in the valley because in the valley, the Bible talks more about the valley than it talks about the mountaintop. Come on now. The Lord says more times I'll be with you in the valley and in the struggle than he said the mountaintop because he knew you wouldn't depend on him when you're on the mountaintop. But when you're in the valley, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm there. I'm not going anywhere. I'll walk with you through the... Come on, if you're in the valley, you're in good company because we walk with you in the valley. But above all, God walks with you in the valley. Psalm 84 says, blessed are they that dwell in thy house they will be still praise in thee. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, whose heart is in the ways of him. Verse 6 says, Who passing through the valley of Baca. I've read this to you before and talked about it, and I see something fresh and new in this passage. That word Baca means weeping through the valley of weeping. Make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. I've read through this and missed what it was really talking about in the valley of weeping, in the valley of Baca. I'll get there in a moment in Deuteronomy chapter 16. The Lord commanded every Jewish male to worship in the temple at least three times a year. For many families, it was the highlight of the year. They would go into Jerusalem. It was like family reunion. It was it was They all got to go in and see the sights and sounds, and they met together. They traveled great distances and endured many hardships to make it into Jerusalem. The way was sometimes discouraging. They would sing and worship as they traveled. Perhaps Psalm 84 could could have been one of those songs that they sung to remind them, particularly through one of the discouraging parts of the journey, that the glory of the Lord's house is going to be worth it all. And so this psalm is expressed with a deep longing for the presence of God to be in His holy temple and in His holy courts and to dwell in His holy presence. For many of them that traveled, it was like a homecoming. They would see family they hadn't seen for a while. It it was a highlight, and I'm sure they had dinner because they were all apostolic. But still the highlight was not about seeing people. It was about going into the holy temple and communing with God. Worshipping and praising Him. That's what it was all about. As they traveled outside of Jerusalem, there was a valley called Baca. Can I back up to something that I just said to you? For many three times a year they were required. And few people were able because of distance to get into the house of the Lord more than three times a year. That is why that their coming together was a time of celebration. See, when we gather three times a week, 52 weeks out of the year, it's real easy for us to get to a point where we kind of got to go to church again. But perhaps if all we got to go was three times a year, you would understand why we enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. See, it changes the dynamic. Yesterday, with a broken heart, I heard Dylan as he spoke about his deep desire and longing to be back to normal health and back in the house of the Lord. He was talking about it. He said, Dad, How long is it going to be before I can be back in the house of the Lord? Of course, that doesn't make a father's heart proud. That an 18-year-old son is begging to go back to the house of the Lord. And we were talking, and he started reminding his mother the day before. He said, when I'm back to health, me and the devil We're going to have a tussle, and I'm going to win. He said, I got some things I want to say. I'm not strong enough right now to be able to say it, but I'm going to say some things when I get through this because I know that he is fighting me with everything that he has. Yesterday seemed, day before yesterday, yesterday seemed to be a real struggle. See, we take things so lightly, but when we can't get to the house of the Lord, then all of a sudden everything starts shifting and then the longing to be in the house of the Lord changes. Perhaps if we weren't so pleased in this world, perhaps if we weren't so caught up in the pleasures of this world, our coming to the house of the Lord would have a whole different mindset as we enter in. We would come in to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Maybe our attitude toward the house of the Lord would be completely different if only three times of the the year that you could walk into the house of the Lord. I don't know about you but I'm in the house of the Lord today. I don't want to reach a point that I ever get in the presence of God and it just becomes another moment as usual. So this Psalm 84 expresses the deep longing for the presence of God and for the Holy Temple. To be in the Holy Courts and to dwell In the holy presence of an almighty God. For many of them that traveled, they came in from the outside of Jerusalem. There was a valley there that was known as the Valley of Baca. Most pilgrims had to pass through this valley to make it to Jerusalem. I've heard several ideas about the Valley of Baca or the Valley of Weeping. Some say that it gets his name from a particular tree that is there that grew in dry places. So it's believable that the valley of Baca was a harsh dry place that would test the patience of the pilgrims that journeyed here. Such a valley exists between the Jordan River and Jerusalem and the balsam tree grows there. And at a certain time of the year, they say that it weeps its sap and no doubt it reminds the travelers of the tears that they have shed while on the journey back into the presence of God. Baca also in the Hebrew language means weeping so many see it as a place of great sorrow. Thus the psalmist begins to write when we go through the valley of weeping. We make it a well. Let me go back there and read it. Who passing through the valley of Baca, weeping, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. But now watch verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them that appeareth before God. Watch. When they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a well. The rain, no, wait, it's this is a desert. The rain that the writer is speaking of here could have very easily meant or talked about the tears that were shed. The rain of weeping. Are you with me today? The rain of weeping. It is so much so that it feels the pools in the desert. Watch with me now. When they go through the valley of weeping, the tears that are shed can fill the ground, the dry ground, like pools of of water from a spring rain. But they go from strength Strength. Now I want you to watch what is transpiring the, here. The rain of those tears fill the pools. We too have our valley of weeping that we pass through. But there's some things that I want you to know. When you're going through the valley of weeping, There is a term or a phrase that is used here. It says, who make it a well? The valley is what you make of it. You can get in the valley and fuss and complain and whine and get sympathy and complain to God and complain to your neighbors and complain to your friends. And that's what you're making out of the valley of weeping. But if you'll go into the valley of weeping and you'll say, I'm going to make this a well where I'm going to draw strength from. Maybe I need to just jump ahead here. They go from strength to strength. The scripture says it like this. With joy you shall draw. Somebody help me now. Water out of the wells of salvation. When you're in the valley and you're weeping, what are you going to make of it? You're going to use it as an opportunity for an attention getter and get everybody to look at you and what you're going through. Are you going to go into it and say, I'm going to make this valley a well with joy. You shall draw waters out of the well of salvation. I'm in the valley, but I'm going to draw strength from it. I'm in the valley. I'm going to go from strength to strength in the valley because in the valley he restoreth. My soul. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. Some of you don't even know where I am because you're not in the valley. But when you get there, don't forget what this preacher's telling you today. God will be with you through the valley. I got to wrap this up pretty quickly. That wasn't an end in closing, by the way. I'm just reminding myself I've got to hurry. And reminding you that I have no idea what time it is. (laughs) They started church, Brother Spangler said they started church one minute early, so i got a little extra time today. We all pass through the valley. It's the first thing I want you to get today. No one is exempt from it. The scripture's full of the stories of the valley. and And here's what it says. And it came to pass. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them it will? And it will come to pass. The valley will come to pass, but what are you gonna make of it? Hmm? What are you gonna make? Why don't you look at that neighbor and say, What are you gonna make of your valley? What are you gonna make of your valley? Whatever we go through, no matter how bad it is, it'll come to pass. But what matters is what you make of it while you're there. While you're journeying through the valley, you've gotta always remember hey, here's one thing I'm gonna make of it. This valley is not my home. This valley I'm just passing through. This valley is not my home the second thing you need to you need to remind yourself is that in the valley Satan will come and he comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. He is a thief he comes to steal your hope one of the biggest lies of Satan is it's not going to get any better because I'm really going through what nobody else has ever been through. Nobody's been where I am I come this day to remind you that we all pass through the valley. Other people have been right where you are. Satan didn't take them out either. He wants to, but Satan is not in control of life and death. Only God is in control. That means Satan cannot touch your life, Job. He can do a lot to you as long as God allows it, but he says your life is off limits. Shout, it's what you make of it. Naomi, after the death of her husband and her sons, must have been feeling awfully low. Listen to what she says in Ruth. The first chapter in verse 20, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. You know what bitter valleys are. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Her name Naomi meant delight or delightful. But she's now lost her hope. And she says, don't, no, don't call me delightful. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Your valley is what you make of it. Listen to what Job had to say. Oh, that I might have my request. And that God would grant me the thing that I long for. Even that it would please God to destroy me. That he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Then should I yet have comfort. Yea, I would harden myself in sorrow. Watch what he said. I would harden myself in sorrow. The valley can't harden you. But you can harden yourself. It's all what you make of it. Let him not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? Let me tell you that Satan desires to steal your hope and your joy. If Satan can take your hope away, your whole purpose of living will go. Some of you have lost your hope and lost your joy. You need to go get it back. And that only comes through spiritual warfare. And I'll let my wife talk to you about that before long. But I want you to understand something. You're going to have to go back and you're going to have to get a hold of your hope and get a hold of your joy. And you're going to have to start fighting for what you have allowed your valley's what you made out of it. You quit fighting. God didn't stop. The church hasn't changed. You've got to go back and start fighting. You've got to make up your mind. I got to get back in the fight because this isn't working. Pouting isn't working. Sucking my thumb in the valley isn't working. You got to get up and fight. Some people are chronic complainers. They put down roots in the valley of Baca. They don't set up tents. They pour concrete foundations with no intention of moving, partly because they love the attention that their trial brings to them. Don't get caught up in that mess. They, they love living in the wallow of their sorrow, satisfied in their self-pity. It's no wonder that Jesus had to ask the impotent man, Wilt thou be made whole? Some people get so comfortable in the valley that God himself doesn't know if you want out. Come on, I'm coming on strong this morning, but we're going to come out of the valley before we leave here today. Remember that this is a pilgrimage. You're just traveling through. You're just journeying through the valley. The valley's not your home. God's designed something way better for you and for your future. You're passing through it. Continue on in your journey. All that you're going through will soon pass. I won't be much longer. That's the first closing. Number two, if you look, you'll find refreshment in the valley. The water doesn't flow on the mountaintop. It flows through the valley. The nourishment comes from the valley. The green growth is in the valley. David said in our text, who passing through the valley. Everybody say through the valley. You may be in the valley, but you can make it out. you got to make out of it the best situation you possibly can. Just keep moving. Well, I feel like I'm walking around in circles. That's better than pouring concrete in the valley. You're in the valley of dryness, but you can dig a well. Oh, you don't know the tears I'm shedding. Make them a well. You're going to draw out of that. Let your tears be a well. Come on, they're gonna come down like rain in the springtime. But it's gonna fill a pool. You're gonna go from strength to strength because it's in the weeping. He would a broken and a contrite spirit. The scripture said he would in no wise cast out. You know what it's talking about? A broken and contract. That's talking about somebody who's got to a point that they're weeping wells full of tears. He said, "I'm not casting that out." You're gonna go from strength to strength. I see you're weeping as a matter. Matter of fact, I've held on to every one of those tears. I have noticed. I, I think it said something like that. Verse 7 they go from strength to strength. The second part of that Psalm 84, verse 7 every one of them, can I get that Psalm 87 verse, uh, 84 verse 7? They go from strength to strength. What's the last phrase of that? Read it out loud with me. Every one of them. Wait, them. Is that talking about people? When people's not the subject? Or is the them the tears? Every one of them their tears. You okay? I'm just checking. Every tear in Zion. I ought to not have to preach any further. Appeareth before him. I'm in the valley. God doesn't even know. Every tear. I'm about to run around this church right now. I gotta tell you, every tear you're shedding in the valley are appearing before Him. Every tear is appearing before Him. You may be in the valley today and you think you're alone, but you're not alone. God is seeing, God is watching, God is noticing, noticing. If you're suffering in the valley, just know He's with you through your suffering. Stand with me today. There is strength in the valley. Go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell them there's strength. There's strength in the valley. There's strength in the valley. David said they go from strength to strength. It's in the valley that our faith is exercised and we grow in strength. What am I supposed to do? Pastor, I'm I'm looking. Isaiah 40, and this is the last scripture I'm going to touch this morning. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, I got to tell you, child of God, every tear that you've shed. What are you going to make out of it? Because God's noticing. He's seeing. Why don't you close your eyes right where you are? Why don't you just slip up your hand if you're in the valley? Why don't you just reach out to the Lord? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's listening into your prayer right now. But all over this building from front to back, we're going to connect with the Lord right now. This valley is working for your good. You thought you were forgotten in the valley. You thought people had forgotten you're in the valley. But God hasn't forgotten. He sees every tear. Every one of them have come up before Him as a memorial. He sees where you are. He knows where you are. Go ahead and cry out to the Lord right now. Keep those hands lifted high. Why don't you reach out to Him right now? Reach out to Him right now. Reach out to him right now. Come on, they shall Let renew. They, they, they shall mind.